Salutations, my fair peasants. Uh, I'm quoting Cozy Crone. I'm not calling you all peasants. We're all kings here and queens. <laughs> and so we've got an awesome show for you guys tonight. It is Wednesday, the most fun time of the week, probably. Super ex- excited about all this. Uh, before we get started, though, I wanted to make a quick little shout out to our great friend across the pond, Clive DeCarl. Uh, Vicky, who works for Clive, she contacted me recently about one of the episodes Gabriel and I did where we talked to David Whitehead about the uh, whole placenta birth sorcery legal stuff. And look, Check it out. Exact same bottle. <laughs> so Vicky sent me a really nice care package. I was low on everything and uh, the magnesium and vitamin C especially helpful. So if you guys are looking to up your nutrition game, check the show notes for a link to my affiliate with Clive. You can buy all the good stuff from him and I get a nice kickback. They're very, very cool people over there. Super excited to have this giant bottle of magnesium. That's right, Logan. Clive is a legend. So hello to everybody in the chat on the Hi. Rockfin side. I see Kabir, Artist Seer, Snake Jones, and Logan Cook, and Elsie King, and Cozy Crone, Mario Lucas. Garza. We got a lot of good people up in here. So tell your friends, Mario. tell your mom and dad, pile in everybody, share the show. It's time. We're going to have a really good one. We got Rob Edward from the Dig Within podcast. And of course, Slick Dissident joining us as per usual. Always a good time to hang with my bro. And Baldy. Everyone's favorite wizard, alchemist, heathen, bald guy, <laughs> best beard in podcasting history. So this is a nice collection of legends. I'm really stoked to get into it. How's everybody doing? We'll start with you, Rob. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I am such a huge fan of your show, uh, just in general, and the people that you have on. I am I'm massively impressed by every time you you speak to them. So just to be on the show here uh, is, is I'm really really grateful to be with you guys. Very cool, man. I had such an awesome time whenever I did Dig Within not that long ago. People should check that out. Uh, some some have told me that that was my best interview ever. So I appreciate you for pulling out the greatness in me, my friend. And yeah, your recent show with uh, Topher was super great. Super, super good. I mean, everything Topher does is gold. Got a shout out to Topher. Uh, people should check that out. Dig Within on YouTube. That is linked in the show notes. Check out Rob's podcast. If you're into the stuff we're into, you're going to enjoy his take. Uh, how you doing, Baldy? Oh, I can't complain. I'm overheated. Well, I'm not anymore, but was most of the day. We went out and got a three-wheeler. Got the old uh, Honda Big Red three-wheeler. So that way I can uh, quit running up and down the farm so much. It's been really wearing me out. Although I, I'll double down on that magnesium. I tell you what. Before I started taking uh, Clive's there, I used to have real bad cramps in my calves and whatnot because I live on a really steep mountain, and I I go up and down that bugger like 30, 40 times a day. It's ridiculous. And I was really getting cramps, like where if I'd stretch in the morning, I'd just start having Charlie horses all over. And, yeah, I took that right off. Uh, So, and, yeah, yeah, I love the group here. Um, Chance fantastic. I, I actually know Rob already. I uh, him and I have chatted before. Rob's fantastic. Uh, and Gabe, he's brilliant. No idea what he's talking about, but he's, he's, but when I do get it, hey, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Benjamin and I had a show planned or we do have a show planned for the beginning of September. And he thought that that was tonight. 
And he's like, when's we, when we starting, dude? And I was like, uh, in a month and two hours, <laughs> but then, okay, why don't you just come join us? It's going to be a good time. You know, Gabriel, how you I gotta be early. It, it makes up for all the times that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, man, we need you more on more vibrance. It's always good to hang. Uh, Gabriel, how you been? We haven't seen you since, um, that last Marvel show. Uh, doing real good, real good. Uh, getting a lot of, uh, I guess summer cleaning past spring, but, uh, yeah, just my car is up and running, uh, mobile in life, uh, back on the magnesium myself, actually just started taking it again. Got a new, a new, uh, magnesium supply in my life. So yeah. Uh, and my buddy wants to take me ax throwing this weekend. It's like freaking Viking bowling. I'm super stoked on that. Uh, I've actually, I've tried it before. I have, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, proficient with a lot of, uh, you know, projectile objects. Uh, but the ax is my weakness. I've, I don't think I've ever landed the ax in all my life. So I'm looking, I think it's easier than a knife, to be honest. You know, the head's so big on the ax. It just kind of wants to do that. And really a throwing ax, you're kind of unbalancing it on purpose. So the head really wants to do that. Like a, a throwing knife, man, like I remember when I was young, I thought that would just be the cat's ass. I think I'd probably just watched, uh, uh, what was that, Desperado with uh, Antonio Banderas and you had uh, uh, the Mexican guy, uh, what's his name, uh, the one that does all the uh, drug videos, the anti-drug videos um, with the lady on his chest and he <laughs> whipping all the knives out. Uh, I, I probably had watched that or something. And I was like, I think I could do that. And no, that's not so easy <laughs> at all. You know, with uh, you throwing axes, Gabriel, it gives a more layer to the nickname split dissident since you split shit with axes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. I've been actually studying today. I went on and watched a couple instructional, you know, couple videos and, there's a, there's different techniques, you know, it looks like the standard beginner thing is like a two handed overhead, which I've never tried. So I'm looking forward to giving that a, a, a whirl. Uh, and yeah, uh, but you know, I always just tried, you know, just like a, the tomahawk with a, with a disc with a Frisbee, you know, the standard tomahawk throw, which is my favorite disc throw is the tomahawk. I love that one. You put the right angle and it kind of spins on the, on its course. So yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to go do that I think tomorrow. Or no, Friday. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start digging within uh Rob Edward, man. So I've enjoyed your show a lot. Uh you do a great job with the interviews. I had a super good time when I came on, but I want to know more about you. I get the sense that if I was to ask you one profound question and you can like please take your time and elaborate on this and share your journey. Uh Explain, you know, the value of the recognition that it's never too late to do a 180 in life or change what you're doing completely. That just because you've gone in one direction, a certain distance doesn't mean you can't reinvent yourself. Uh, does that hit? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely. I um, That's kind of the story of my life, man. I started ever since I grew up, I wanted to be an actor and be in films and stuff like that. And to speed the story kind of 
you know, quite a long, I, uh, don't have to take, you don't have to speed. We, we want to know, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll smooth it out a bit. Um, yeah. So I basically, I grew up wanting to be an actor and, and filmmaker and I did that for a long time in Canada here. And I wanted to actually study this sort of, th- sort of thing. And I w- was going through people who I really admired and who they, where they went and how they studied and everything like that. And I actually went over to England because I have dual citizenship there and everything like that. So I went over and I studied there for a number of years to really sort of understand it and really sort of dig within it. And I, uh, I ended up graduating the year of 2016. So as I was going to this insanely liberal art school was the same time that the Donald Trump election was going on and Owen Benjamin was getting in the public eye of what he was speaking out against. And it was the first kind of uh, shit in my life where I was like, I think I'm going to have to sort of change course here or kind of turn my turn my back against my own soul, if that makes any sense. Right. Like I was kind of looking at exactly the industry of which they are brutalizing this man and kicking him out and going, am I really going to walk into that right now? Sort of thing. So it took a little bit and it wasn't so immediate as kind of what I'm talking about here. But I sort of packed my bags up and I went back home to Canada and I made a short film just had to kind of get some of that um, creative juices out of me and stuff like that. And we filmed it in my hometown here. It did really well. And on YouTube, it was the first thing I put on YouTube, I think. And with not really doing anything to it other than just kind of putting it on there for the film festival circuit and everything like that. It got, I think today it's at like 3.5 million views or just over that. And uh, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And um, so I went to the film festival circuit and all that kind of stuff and did really well. I think was on almost every continent and everything like that, winning uh, awards and stuff like that. And I kind of just sort of walked away from the acting industry after that. Cause I just couldn't really make, it started to really piss me off once I started to see all the lies and I started to d- dive even deeper into Owen Benjamin's work and all that kind of stuff. I was just like, you know what, this is just that bit and not, not anything that I want to do. But I started asking myself, you know, well, what did I enjoy about it? And I, I love creativity. I love, you know, getting together and creating something. And it's like, well, I kind of was managing a project with that and I was kind of pulling people together and making stuff happen. So I was like, okay, maybe something with project management. So I went to school for project management and then the world exploded in 2020 with what, you know, we all understand was quite the, uh, the psyop. And I was like, damn, well, what the hell do I do now? Sort of thing. And this is kind of one of the things I, I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about here. And, uh, some of the work that I really appreciate from uh, Balderson actually and, and and people like Marty Leeds and whatnot. And really when I started to dive into their work and understanding the, diff- you know, the, the importance of thought and action and not having just the thought, but actually bringing a body towards that because I started to just, I always love podcasts. I love listening to them and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I think I can do this. I think I can do this for a long time. And I never actually put a body to that thought for the longest time. And it was those ideas of, well, who am I? And I don't care about credentials, but obviously anyone who's kind of in these more, when you put yourself out there in some sort of degree, you kind of ask, you think about how people are going to say, you know, who is this guy? What, what are they, how do they get to speak about what they're speaking about? All that kind of stuff, right? Their credentials and stuff. So played that game for my, in my head for a long while. And when I started to see everything that was happening with COVID and everything like that, I started to hear this name over and over again. People like, uh, Tom Barnett and a lot of people that I really look up to. And it was Paul check. So I started looking at Paul check and I was like, okay, this sounds kind of cool. I'd like to keep myself in shape and all that sort of stuff. So I ended up taking a bunch of his courses, his HLC one and two IMS. So it's sort of holistic lifestyle coaching and um, I mean, integrated movement science. 
And I was thinking about being like a coach, some sort of either a uh, holistic coach or a life coach or any sort of like movement coach, stuff like that. But I still like wasn't able to pull a trigger on it, right? I was still just like kind of walking around like, man, I, I don't have the sort of the real world uh, body for these, these thoughts that I have. And then I went away to build a house with some bears, actually. I heard Max Steidnuck on Crow Triple Seven, and he was out in BC, and I'm in Ontario. And I contacted him. I said, hey, this sounds awesome. I, I kind of want in on this, um, do natural building and, and homes and stuff like that, kind of like gardener and everything. And he said, all right, get out to BC and you got a spot. So I packed up my car, drove four days uh, across Canada and honestly had the best kind of, I think it was like maybe six or seven weeks just around, uh, you know, runner uh, who I believe is kind of in the, in the community here. Uh, he's one of the bears, runner bear. Uh, Jacob Telling wrote, uh, how dare you? I want a book, a book on Owen Benjamin, uh, Walker and Lando. And, um, I just kept talking to him. I was like, man, I think I'm going to do this. Like, I think I really want to start a podcast and all that stuff. And I came back late September and October is when I finally sort of pulled trigger on it. And I was contacting people like Balderson and yourself and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just, the reason why I kind of wanted to dive into that and, and go into what I'm sort of transitioning here to is w- once I started to really ask myself, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I can provide, but all I can do is ask like how I kept, I was working with a good friend, uh, Matt Belair, who's a, who's a coach as well. And he sort of said, you know what, man, I think you need to like pull together everything you've done before and then just see what that is. And if you don't know, then just continuously ask, like, how can I create value? Like, how can I provide value for others? And that stuff will kind of come. And I think we spoke about it a little bit on my show chance, which was you can't take a leap of faith, but ask, you know, like look around the corner a little bit and be like, oh, well, like how, how far down is that kind of thing? Right. You have to jump. You can't, you, you don't get the, uh, you don't get that, that safety net of, of knowing how far down it's going to be before you kind of uh, either hit bottom or, or whatever. Right. Um, so I just said, you know what, screw it, jump. And I dove in and uh, launched the podcast and I haven't looked back since it's been absolutely amazing. The amount of uh, like the com- just being a part of this community here from just doing that, and yeah, just opening my eyes to a lot of different things and uh, some stuff maybe we can get into a bit later, but it just was the, the unknown jumping into that without an actual kind of plan regardless is uh, I can't, I can't, you know, think about, I can't recommend that highly enough. And I know we talked about a little bit on our, on my show chance was, you know, you have to really be careful if you have dependencies and stuff like that, for sure. I don't have that. So I kind of was able to just sort of dive into something like this, but the idea of being able to set fire to your life and just go for it is it's, it's the basis of every hero's journey. It's the basis of every, every movie that we watch and everything like that. But yet people think that it's uh, they just show it on TV and it's not what we're supposed to do, but it's what we're supposed to be learning from those things. So that's a little bit my story about how I launched my podcast. And uh, yeah, just what I'd like to sort of em- emphasize and really kind of hammer home to people is that just diving in and really just sort of taking the chance. And uh, for me, it was really finally putting the action to the thought that just opened my life completely to, to where I am now. That is awesome. I remember when I started my show, uh, I had this idea that everybody knows something that nobody else has nobody else knows or thinks thoughts that nobody else has thought. So I gave myself that leeway too, (laughs) even though I had like, you know, I don't know what value maybe I had back then to add probably a lot more now than when I started. And what was, uh, I think my biggest hurdle was a lack of community. Like I didn't really know my direction or where I was going. And I also didn't quite have like the, uh, confidence to ask people on that, maybe had like uh, more of a presence or more of a following. I sort of just let the thing carry me where it carried me. And 
had very random guests and conversations and they were good and it was fun. But for me, it took like a good couple of years to build up that confidence to really forge a direction and then also create the serendipitous connections with other people that would help me build community. And I'm so grateful that I did find the tribe that we've got going on here and the interconnectedness of it between all of our communities, the spiders, Balderson, uh, like you mentioned, M- Marty leads. Marty's awesome. We'll be talking to him on a vibrant really soon, actually. So I guess I get a good question for you now would be like, do you foresee any possibility of Dirty synthesizing? Christian. What's that, Baldy? Dirty Christian Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've finally uh, been digging into his book, Lord Jesus Christ. And if you like Dylan's work, you love that book. You know, uh, he takes sort of a different approach, like, but not a completely different approach. He's preaching that this is allegory, that it's to me, the value in it, especially in context with like uh, the Spirit World book series is what I have seen as we've been doing the synchromistic podcast that we do, like me and Gabriel that the logos as it's known is in everything all the time. Like how could there be four hours spent talking about a moon night episode that's 45 minutes long? You know, nobody could be, <laughs> nobody in that creative team could be like putting all the stuff in there on purpose that we're finding in there. What it is, I think is that the truth is in everything all the time. The truth cannot ever be hidden. It's just that we ignore it or we aren't aware of the full width and breadth of it. So. Uh, anyway, that book, Lord Jesus Christ, is super good. Highly recommend it, especially for people that like the the riddles and puzzles of gematria and, and math and uh, language. It does a great job. It's super enjoyable. But yeah, I had a question for you, Rob, about, about your uh, acting and your short film. It seems like it would be a pretty cool encouragement to have so much, have so many eyes on your first film project. And you brought up like Owen Benjamin and his community. And one of the cool things about his community is that there are so many creative people that like take his <laughs> rants and turn them into cartoons or like, I didn't even know somebody had wrote a book. How dare you? <laughs> I'm sure that's pretty good. And so with that, we don't really see anybody creating film that much in the community, some documentaries for sure. Like, especially the people that are really gung ho on the flat earth, uh, revelations and i love those films when i get a chance to catch them so anyway to me like hearing your story it sounds like it would be you would be an awesome candidate to create some sort of short film that creatively takes somebody through the journey of some kind of a waking up process to one of the millions of facets of the occulted truths in our world and I would love to see that. I don't know if you've ever thought about doing something like that or if it might be, you know, in your dream journal to manifest that, but it would be cool. Yeah. Well, we actually, me and Pat, another friend of the show, uh, and he's been on here too, uh, Pat Daly, actually, it was the first reason why I reached out to him because he ran, have you heard the story of how he started his podcast? Actually, no, I haven't had him on yet. I've been meaning to, I'm going back on his show soon. We'll definitely get him on here. Yeah. Pat's the shit. Yeah, well, he he reached out to um, Tom Barnett and just wanted to chat with him. And then Tom emailed him back and was like, yeah, sure, I'll do the podcast. Just send me a couple of dates and we'll get it set up. And he was like, I, I don't have a podcast. But he's like, okay, I guess I'll make one so I can chat with him and I'll put it online kind of thing. And uh, because Tom mirrored all of his stuff uh, way back in the day. 
on YouTube before he was like super censored. Um, I saw him and, and me and Pat had a really similar story because we were both actors and we both came from this sort of artistic realm, but then we're both kind of, we just saw so many different, so many similarities to the two of us in our stories and stuff like that. And weirdly enough, I think we're one day apart in age, like literally one day, which is just so many weird synchronicities. It was crazy. Um, but we were basically, we started connecting on that realm because we wanted to to make some stuff and film some stuff. But we're kind of running into the problem of, well, if you're over here and I'm over here and we have to, you know, maybe cut things together, it's going to be extremely difficult. So we had a lot of back and forth of how we might be able to film skits and stuff. And then we were meeting with Tom uh, for a little bit too, talking about how we could, how we could cut things together in like an interesting way where we could have this creativity. And we got to the point where we were, we were drafting out a, a feature film about a lot of these different things and trying to encode a lot of this stuff, but we both just got super busy and Pat's now working with some guys, um, you know, developing one thing that uh, hopefully he'll, he'll kind of, uh, you know, speak about when, when he's ready for that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because I do, I do want to do that. And I do want to get back into like a more based filmmaking sort of, you know, realm. It's just the difficulty is that it's a, a, like, it's expensive, you know, like filming stuff, getting the right, getting camera. Like we luckily were able to rent a red dragon for my uh, short film, but that, that was because we pulled some strings with one of my cousins who was at a film school at that point. But I, I like, if, if we didn't do that, I think it would be like three grand a day or something like that to, to rent that and the lenses and everything like that. And then lighting, sound, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's definitely doable. And I think some of the people that are in the bear community, I think are, I think there's some people in there with some money too, in terms of like people that you probably wouldn't know that would fund things that would be more based that they could show their kids or it would be, you know, an actual, you know, with some good morals and values in there, uh, which I'd be more than, I'd love to jump at the opportunity to to do some of that stuff. But we're, we're, we were working on things in the background and, and as things kind of come up, we, uh, we definitely have some ideas uh, of what we would kind of do, but I, I think it's true. I think, I think we need to go and work on that too, man, because like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Marvelous the Mystifiers because of the fact that I've, I've done drama school as well. And I've, I've dissected things and I can see where you guys are going with a lot of these stuff again with, um, with Gabe here, like some of that stuff is way over my head because my knowledge isn't, uh, isn't sort of up to, up to par with some of, some of that sort of stuff. But I know you guys are going, I'm like, you know, I think a lot of people think that maybe some things are stretches, but it's like, man, knowing, knowing what goes into movies and knowing how like every single beat, every single frame, every, like the way that the lighting is, where they change directions, where the camera pushes in, if the camera moves at all, like that all means stuff. Like I really know that. And it's sort of like, yeah, you guys, you guys hit on some amazing stuff with, uh, with everything you dive into there. Well, with the whole thing and Gabriel stretching, he can do the splits. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it on camera. <laughs> Flexibility is my jam. <laughs> Mental and physical. It is interesting, though, how those things go hand in hand. Physical flexibility and mental flexibility. I always like to say, it's why I'm so excited about the next interverse with uh, my Qigong master teacher, <laughs> that you move different ways, you're going to think different ways. But yeah, man, the... Uh, the whole huge tall order of doing it at the top level quality definitely don't, I would say don't sacrifice that part of the vision. You know what I mean? Make it, <laughs> make it like the best production you possibly can Kickstarter that shit. If you've got to spread the word around all the various podcasts in the circuit, we'll definitely, uh, I mean, I would kick in towards that and I'll for sure let people know that something like that was going on. I have a, I have a background in creative writing would be interested, especially if it was kind of on the shorter side of a screenplay because it's a short film and now I'd have time for it. <laughs> I would be really interested in like workshopping some of the the details. And I mean, I'm really excited about a project like that. To me, that is one of the 
niche gaps in our community that could not only be really exciting to people and fun, but also that's a medium that speaks to people through in their subconscious, but it doesn't have to be in a manipulative way. It's just that that language of film that you and I are familiar with because of studying it, everybody actually knows the language, but it's like, they don't know that they know, but it still speaks to them through that language. And going on that type of uh, journey in fiction is sometimes way more effective than just laying out the information for somebody because they don't care, but you create characters they're invested in. You create something interesting, visually appealing. You just don't know who that could reach. There's a lot of potential there. Super exciting idea. Yeah, man, I I had an interesting thought with one of the conversations I had, I think it was Asher Cowan. And uh, I think, like you said, we we do think that way. People instinctively know that. I think that's actually how we think, but people, people think they think logically, but they actually think in narrative, but, and they can't, they can't differentiate the two. Like we're, we're being kind of, told that we're being logical when we listen to, you know, these people who are, are touted as experts and all that kind of stuff. And people think that that's the case, but they're actually being narratively drawn out into these psyops. And they don't even know the difference because again, they've been, you know, schooled in a certain way and, and all that sort of stuff. And we know, you know, how the education system is and everything like that. But I think they deliberately don't teach some of these different things to the masses because then they'd just be giving away all the secrets. And I, I found that really strange where a lot of people that were close to me who were, sort of decorated credentially couldn't see past what was happening in 2020. And I was like, how the hell is this like drama kid figuring this stuff out so easily? And it's because, Oh, I can. And it was obviously with the help of people like, uh, like Marty and, and uh, Owen and all this stuff kind of like really pointing it out sort of thing. But I think it is that thing of like, they, they, they deliberately, they deliberately put it in movies is because that's how you think. And I think when they wrap it up in the emotionality of it too, you know, when you hear a song and you, and you know exactly where you were when you heard that song, the same thing with movies and stuff like that, right? Where I think that if they wrap a psyop in a movie and then it gets you attached emotionally to it, it's not only that like when they break that, when they break that sort of thought pattern or, you know, the earth or the shape of this or shape of that, whatever, um, you're not only just destroying the thought pattern, you're, you're taking that memory away from them, that emotionality, you know, maybe like the first time they, they hooked up with a girl or like the first time that they were, you know, watching with their parents or something like that, like Jurassic Park or something like that. So dinosaurs have to be real because I watched it with my, my, uh, my mom or my dad and stuff like that. So when you rip that from them and you say, Hey, maybe things aren't as they seem, you're, you're also taking that memory and that sort of emotional connection to that thing as well too. And I think that that's a huge portion why film and television and narrative is so important. And the, the problem is, is that, yeah, we do have, the the powers that be that really know this stuff and people like us who have more based ideas with, with uh, how we might be able to put some of these more, you know, positive and influential things into these things. It's, it's, it's hard because it's, it's so expensive and it's, it's very, it's, it's a sort of big, big task. So uh, Baldy, Gabe, you guys got any reflection or, or questions and commentary for our buddy? I think I was one of the uh, first people that Rob had on when he decided to do his podcast. And so it's, it was real interesting hearing his story because at first when I had looked at it, um, so I did never, I didn't ever try to be known or a public speaker or anything like that. It wasn't something I desired or, or thought about. It just kind of happened. And so since then I've gotten some real weird, requests and people that talk to me for no reason. So it's like, uh, when, when Rob first, uh, talked to me, I went back and it just out of, uh, I, I, anytime I talk to somebody, I try to check them out. And, uh, I was like, 
It's weird. He seems more like like this, like normal movie type things and whatnot. I was like, so that's that's super interesting that uh, to hear that entire story. Uh, I was like, God, this guy seems more like a mainstream movie type person. Which I mean, it, it wasn't that odd for me. At one point, uh, I get a, a email that's like, Owen Benjamin wants to meet you, and I'm like, he does. Why? <laughs> you know, really? Um, so I mean. For me, it wasn't that weird, but no, it was it was excellent to hear the story and uh, make that connection. And it's always real more interesting for me, like when a person like me, uh, who didn't really ever fit into society and kind of came up super poor, um, didn't have any access to any of these kind of things. I didn't even really have access to the entertainment industry for watching it. Uh, for me to reject the system and people like me, I don't think is that big of a deal. We were never really part of the system to reject something to, to see it as crap when you're not part of it. And I mean, granted there is a good portion that lust after it, you know, because they are on the outside, but I think it's just easier when you're not in there. Something you've never had is real easy to not want. Uh, for somebody that's been very successful uh, to me, to want to go and follow this path and, and be such an honorable and true person and want to bring back that lifestyle and, and, and integrity and uh, just good things. That, that to me, for somebody that could have been so successful, because you obviously could have been, brother, uh, so successful in their system for you to reject that anyways, to me, that's so much more, so much more. It, it just always amazes me. Yeah. And then back to sort of the combining of things, um, bringing together your skill sets. I, I really liked what you said about that, Rob, uh, that Matt Belair gave you that advice, I think, or it was around the time you're talking about Belair of, you know, try to synthesize the things that you've already got that you're already good at. Like for me, uh, my big interest leading up to before I started a podcast was art and creativity as like, an authentic spiritual path. And I've done my best to continually integrate some aspects of creativity where I can into the show, like with graphics and <laughs> having fun with like thumbnails. And that's cool because the, I really like to see how the tools get easier and easier and more and more people are doing that. But in terms of making a film that also employs, employs people, it pays people, uh, Balderson and Topher on Odin's alchemy. Amazing three hour gravy session, dude. <laughs> Super good. But one of the things that Topher said amongst the many excellent things was about like, and it really hit home for me. He was like, so many people, I don't know if he said millennial specifically, but I took it that way since I apparently am one. <laughs> they want to like just get internet famous and think that that will take care of them and that's all they need to do. And, uh, what he was saying is you have to build something. You have to do something locally. You have to actually influence and change and improve the environment that you're in. And so I've been letting that kick around in my mind for a while. Like, how can I do that? And and I have some aspirations for some ways that that could occur. I'd really like to. Uh, so Winner, last time on Last Vibrant, he was talking about training and certifying people to throw events. And I was like, that sounds like a way I would want to go. And they're doing this big Bertaria meetup here in Missouri in September. 
so anyway, um, that's <laughs> one of the other advantages of possibly bringing that skill set to this arena is that you're building something. There's, you get to be, you can get other people involved, you know, all of that is really good. And, and we have a lot of Canadians in the uh, audience. So you guys should really be listening to Rob, <laughs> you know, listen to someone from your own country. Yeah. That, when I, I listened to one of your shows today, trying to catch up and it was uh, the, our, maybe just a couple shows back with a couple individuals who were dealing with a court case in Canada. And, and I find it uh, fascinating to parallel my understanding of American uh, policy, corporate policy that is pawned off as law and understand how it fits or runs parallel to Canadian law. Um, and I just think that's another really beautiful thing is that <clears throat> um Understanding uh, that we do run in a very similar uh, system. The, some of the terms are just a little bit different, but you know we we have that Commonwealth uh, foundation uh, in both of our systems. So that was really informative. Uh, and another thing I'm thinking about, and I've been thinking about this a lot with our uh, you know marvelous demystifiers, is I've been wishing for quite a long time that there would be a a film venue that was more local, more down to earth that I didn't feel like I was compromising my, uh, my better judgment by engaging in these big corporate films. Uh, so I just think it's beautiful to have, uh, you know, something that's accessible to everybody uh, in that, you know, we can all uh, pass around and play a part in in that in in our own little small way. So I'm looking forward to uh, watching your work. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, um, yeah, it's, it's something we, it was actually kind of funny. We were thinking about, we were kicking around ideas back a couple of years ago, me telling and, and Pat about just, just sort of little sketches to sort of, I think I do, I do love film and I love that idea. I think that things, things go viral now in this shorter attention span. And I, I, I don't like that. I, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a millennial like you chance, but, um, but it's also, it's almost kind of like go to where people are congregating to a certain degree. And then like almost like offer a hand that like, Hey, there's a kind of, you know, there's a better sort of way of doing things over here kind of thing. Cause I think people do find Owen Benjamin and, and sort of the people of these kind of different elk when they, when they need to. And there's something we said, maybe of uh, the teacher appears when uh, it's a needed kind of thing. But I, I do think we were thinking about how to maybe create some of these more viral ideas of short clips, highlighting the the ridiculousness of some of the COVID stuff or, or any, anything really. And JP Sears kind of does a, a similar thing like this with the comedy and whatnot, but thinking about almost doing that in like a very, very based way to say, Hey, come over to like sort of like the bear community or over here kind of thing. And, and there's, there's something else here because like you said, there's a couple of Canadians listening. Yeah. If there's Canadians listening, definitely uh, let me know where you're at. Cause uh, it's definitely, it feels like not so many uh, are up here, you know, over and the where are you at in Canada? It's a big place. I'm in Ontario. So um just North of Toronto and uh yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. I, you know, I went over your way over to BC, obviously to, to meet those guys, but uh I think they were thinking about hopping over. I think there was, I think there was one of the meetups in Idaho and they were thinking of just hopping over. There's like a river kind of like close to where they were in Alberta or something like that. They're just going to like float down the river and head over there. But you know, that's a, like I drove out there and it's four days. Right. So it's, it's kind of, we're kind of spread out here a little bit, but. 
You know, on the subject of movies, this seems like a good place to announce uh, people go check out on Odyssey. Jared, our buddy Jared Balderson's producer, he does an excellent show called Conspiracy Cinema. And me and Mario, Symbolic Studies Mario, we went on there and watched 2001 A Space Odyssey with Jared. And we watched the movie and kind of decoded it as we went. And I'd never seen it before. So that was a lot of fun. People might want to check that out if they, you know, like all this film talk. I saw that. That was I, great. I watched, I watched Holy Mountain with him on there. That was with uh, Sean with Sean Alger. Him and I watched Holy Mountain. That was fantastic. Oh, sweet. SB Alger? I'm going to have to dig in and find that one. That, that, I bet that was a good time. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, Rob's going to have to do a conspiracy cinema with Jared now. The th- the thumbnail for it's one of the best things ever. They got he's got me like in the alchemist thing, and then there's the scene where the dude that like has to sit and stew in his own shit. <laughs> he's got Sean in there. It's hilarious. Yeah, now I'm gonna find the conspiracy cinema thumbnail because Jared does a really good job with those. <laughs> so people know what they're looking for on Odyssey. That's where he uploads it, probably because there's a some censorship risk in terms of uploading it in other places, but oh man, the thumbnail's kind of small. Okay, I can yeah, zoom I, in. Sweet. I, I liked his style, the way he like went back and filled in some of the graphics to like give context to what you were saying. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and on the episode with Ofer, that one's fantastic. I saw that on Twitter this morning. Love it. The episode with Topher that I did, uh, if you want to see what an episode looks like where my butt is puckered so tight that I couldn't fart to save my life, that's what that's that that's what that look on my face through most of that episode is. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask why. Because uh, there was a fire right down the mountain and fire likes to run uphill. <laughs> fire on the mountain. Yeah. So, Rob, uh, let's talk about some uh, more of your Dig Within show. Can you share some gravy from recent guests and conversations you've had? What are some particular favorites? Um, you know, let it rip on all that. Well, surprisingly, one of the ones that I actually had the most fun on was um, – Ayla, Ayla Koenka, the natural birthing guide. I don't know if you've ever seen her stuff. She was on the Alpha Vedic podcast, but it just, I don't know, just being a guy, especially not having any background in, in birth, obviously I, I, you know, being a dude, being single and all that kind of stuff, but it just, it was so fascinating and what really wondering the kind of masculine side of birth, because it's definitely very obviously feminine. Um, but it was just, it was just really interesting to kind of dive into some of those things. And that's what I love about touching touching on a lot of these different subjects and having a show like this is to le- just learn from people. And I had similar feedback there from you chance about our episode that uh, people really enjoyed that one. They thought it was one of, one of the best ones too. So that was awesome as well. And um, a, a lot of it was kind of selfish in me, just really, really watching a lot of your guys work and now having a venue to sort of say, Hey, can we connect and, and kind of um, I can share your stuff. You can share my stuff and just kind of connect that way. So th- that's pretty awesome. But yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same thing with you, Chance, where I was curious as to who would even be interested in coming on this, especially starting out, right? But everyone had been so welcoming in that regard, like like Balderson and all that kind of stuff, not really knowing me at all. But, you know, right off the hop, I started with Tom Barnett and the next one was Don and David Lester from What Really Makes You Will. And I was just like, holy crap. And I think the next one was, you know, German New Medicine, Tommy John, all these people. It just, it was almost like, 
I don't care about celebrity anymore from the acting world and stuff like that. Like a lot of, you know, being on this show and being a part of the community that like people you've had on here, those are the kind of people that are like more famous to me than actual famous people nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, I, do you have that where you had kind of were like, man, I don't really care about Brad Pitt. I want to talk to like friggin' Clive Carl. I want to talk to Crow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the the way that we were trained to sort of, I don't want to say idol. Well, it was idolization and like, who should be your hero? You should, your hero should be somebody that you actually look up to and can be friends with because <laughs> if somebody's like all the way over here and completely untouchable, completely unreachable, you really have no idea if what they're putting out there is real or just some kind of a facade. And uh, I really encourage like there's people in the chat right now that I know are scheming and thinking about starting their own thing. And I encourage you guys to do it. I'll come on and talk to you to me. Like another one of the reasons why I made the show originally and it's still a reason is that there's something and you talked about this with Gardner and it was really cool. The authority of converse, like your authority coming from this sort of other or ego based authority in human design. And that's interesting. That it's the human design concept, but how I see it is that when we have these authentic connection conversations, it's sort of the biblical when two or more are gathered, you know, type of thing that my ability to, communicate what I know or even know what I actually think and feel about a thing is way more easily connected to in this type of connection and conversation. In fact, on shows like yours, I will hit new levels of my own understanding about the things that I talk about by having the conversation that if I'm just going about my day by myself, I'm not going to be... <laughs> I'm not gonna be okay, so Dylan, like and share the video or you'll grow roller blades on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why don't you come up here, Dylan? You're invited. I'm going to send you an email with the link. <laughs> anyway, anyway, there, there's something real about that. And I would have great conversations with friends privately. And I'd think, you know, somebody out there would benefit from hearing what we just talked about. And even if it's just a few people, uh, it's worth making it happen. And so you start somewhere. And I do think there's not really like a cap to how many people can be in this space, in this community. We're all going to be able to reach some people that the rest of us wouldn't have reached. But by reaching those people that only you would reach, you might bring them to the rest of us as well. And we just keep packing on the snow on this snowball and getting momentum. Yeah, to second that, I actually, that was one of the big things for me when I, when I first started this, I was talking to some of my cousins and people that were close to me and I couldn't, I, could, I can't take, I can't take a concept from Gardner that has all those, all of that amazing kind of insights into those things or Balderson or Marty or, or Owen or something like that. And then in one conversation go, this is like the coolest thing, you know, that I've, I've, I've heard in the past X amount of time, I just wouldn't get it. But then starting this, I was able to actually bring these people on and then they could listen to it and go, Oh, I know what you're talking about now. And I'm getting through to some of these people it was just people that were close to me. That was more important than starting it and having random people listen to it. And not, not that that's not important too, but it was sort of like being able to connect with the people who would have never have found it. What had it not been me starting. And then now they have an un another understanding of, you know, God creator, uh, the earth, the shape of the earth, all these different things. That's more important to me than anything else. And then, just really quickly, one of the things that you said on the, on my show that really got me thinking, and was the other thing when I was speaking about earlier about Asher and having the, the kind of thought of uh, how we think in narrative, we don't think logically. You said about 
you know, the sort of fortune, the fortune stuff and how I was saying that, oh, these people on like higher planes, they might not have any free will. That's why they kind of, they dig us. And then you're kind of like, well, that doesn't make any sense because you kind of have to have free will to, to either choose to mess around with us or something like that. Right. And I was just like, man, that was totally an idea that I didn't have myself. I just listened to that on a different show, touted it as, well, this sounds right. And then just having the conversation really sort of just, just turned my mind again. Right. And just, I wouldn't have had that like in a, in a normal sort of everyday kind of chat because a, they don't listen to crow and B just, you know, you get into these kind of different uh, levels of gravy here. And that's some of the stuff that I'm just so grateful to even have started this, to be able to have these kind of really thought provoking conversations. Yeah, man, I would love to elaborate on that idea a bit because now (laughs) in the same vein, I first kind of grokked this particular one liner from another podcaster, but to Sarion, he talks about occasionally how like spirit, I think it's to Sarion that I heard this from, but that spirit and free will are synonymous. And so if we're talking about, to me, that makes perfect sense because if spirit is the essence of the creator source, well, what is the creator source? It's creating, it's imagining, it's making stuff up. There's nothing more free will than that. So to me, the whole logic breaks down when somebody is telling me that they know about higher beings and this is what higher beings are like, and they are just slaved out to the Godhead. I'm like, that sounds more sort of demiurgic than <laughs> Godhead. To me, like the more quote unquote higher, for lack of a better descriptor, a being would be, the more free will it would have in some sense. Or, and another way of looking at that too would be that these beings that exist more in like the etheric or plasmic state that there's a, I think there's a strong reason why so many words pertaining to water also etymologically, philologically pertain to the sun and pertain to life because uh, water is mem, it's memory, and it also takes on qualities based on its container and based on the direction of its flow, right? So spirit is a similar thing, in my opinion, that it takes on qualities of its container. In that sense, a being or an energy entity that is pure spirit, you know, I'm kind of even deconstructing the idea of angels and demons. What if, what if uh, non-physical entities are, they are what they are based on the person that's sort of channeling them or the environment that they're brought into rather than them being innately good or bad. And in that case, maybe their free will isn't as strong, but they are sort of free, free form (laughs) as opposed to free will. Anyway, that was like a big random ramble, but I definitely don't, you know, I don't like dislike the guy, but I don't vibe with all the, the uh, fortune St. Germain stuff that Crow does. I find myself losing interest in those episodes kind of not that they're all that there's nothing good or useful in there, but that I jump on, on yeah, the I think Crow kind of like guru worships that guy in a weird way. Can I jump on the free will thing? Please, yeah, we'd love to get some gravy. And hopefully, uh, uh, get a little understanding. So, when we we all understand the chakra chart, and we're going to bring up my tree of life here, we all understand the chakras, and uh, so your will chakra, as most of us know is your yellow one right here, underneath your heart. Now, when we're talking about etheric beings, that's this one over here, the oil side, the sulfur side. And that sulfur side, as we can see, stays up above this line. 
this is the sulfur side is above the carbon line. The crystal side is below the carbon line. And then you got your carbon line beings or your ego right here. So when you're looking at will over here, will, and, and it's just our understanding of what will is, but will then is going to be something that is going to be a Titan type of uh, power. That's going to be your uh, crystal side, your salt side. So when they're talking about these higher beings or the sulfur side beings over here, they don't access that particular chakra. Now, that chakra, I think, basically has to do more with manifestation on this plane because that's a, a, a more physical uh, chakra. That's a, It includes more structure than the etheric side has. The etheric side opens up that crystal side, but in and of itself does not have the power to affect the crystal side. So when we say free will, what we kind of take that as is the ability to make a choice. And I don't think that that's what it really is. I think that that's just our uh, lack of understanding of what's meant by that. And so you might be able to make a choice, but if you can't actually affect that choice, does it matter? So See, that, I think what you're saying does like that is a way of uh, talking about kind of what I meant when I say that they take the form or the energy of their container or their environment. And it even reflects when I do biofield tuning with people, how a lot of times I will most of the time, the majority of the work, 75, 80 percent of the time that we have them in a session, we are doing things from honestly, like the further down you go, the longer the time spent working in that area if it has issues. So, you know, we might spend a good chunk of time in the feet, ankles, knees, root. But then once we get up higher, especially like third eye and crown, I can practically just like think that it's fixed and it changes the vibration. <laughs> it does. It, it's not like stubborn the way that the, uh, the lower body chakras are. Structure. The crystal side is structured. So it's hard to change that sulfur side. It's chaotic. So that's easy to change. Now, unfortunately, that chaos side, while it's easy to change, will easily change again. So in order to keep that uh, change affected, you need to move it from the chaos side into the structured side where they're now flowing as one because then that structure will keep that chaos from going wild and changing. That's interesting. I think that also speaks to why it is so helpful for me to find the holes of the donut of the toroidal field, call them the earth star, sun star chakra, just to give them a name. And uh, those actually float around and people can get out of alignment. Like their donut is not in sync with their spine, the donut holes. And you find those and click them back into place. And then I think that that helps with what you're talking about so that the up can flow down and the down can flow up and the whole system circulates like that. Very interesting. I appreciate the chart demo. I also found very interesting the donut hole thing, because if anybody's ever, I'm sure not many people in the chat has, but if anybody's ever worked on like artificially inseminating a cow, you got to, you go in there and yeah, it just sounds horrible, but you, you go in there and there's like a donut hole. You got to find the donut hole 
And that's where you got to go through in order to make that insemination for the life to happen. It's, it's very, it's freaking fascinating. I'm going to have dreams about that now. Thanks, Baldy. <laughs> you know, oh. sometimes bringing things to reality is kind of nasty when you, uh, you know, kind of gross sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to go from there. That's it, everybody. Great show. Thanks. See you later. <laughs> Seriously, I'm ha- we're hanging up the call. No. <laughs> uh, anybody want to jump Seriously. in, you know? I, I, and I definitely, I think that there's definitely a place. Well, I, I know that people enjoy like some of the things I put out. If they do enjoy how rudimentary my things are. I think there's no doubt a place for something more polished and something more smooth. And I think, uh, uh, another real area that I'm starting to see come up like with uh, Alex Michael and guys like that, where they're starting to do things that are geared toward kids, because if we don't have an alternative in, that's entertaining, cause that's the, that's the fact it just needs to be entertaining. And that's part of what I really enjoy about the heathen cosmology. Like the stories are freaking fun. Like, if nothing else, that is just fun. And uh, that makes it easy to remember, easy to hold your attention. Nobody likes dry things. That's just a fact. And so for us to start reaching more people with uh, the messages that need to be presented, we need to start doing it in an excellent way. And we look 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the science fiction industry, people don't even realize how much that has affected today's reality. I change um, today's reality. And those people were doing it off shoestring budgets and, and doing it cheesy. And they still today, these people, you look at Star Trek, that is a freaking religion. Scientology's a, a, a religion. Like there's all these different figures. And I mean, people today literally know more about TV and TV is more of a reality for them or, or media or entertainment or whatever Sports you ball. want to call it sports ball, then reality is. So if we want to bring back these other understandings, we need to start doing it in in a fairly polished way and not always be sort of rudimentary. So there is a niche for that. And and I think it's one that is going to grow. I think people are actually craving this. It's just not being presented the way that they need it presented. You hear that, Rob? We're giving you a mission. Yeah, loud and clear. No, I think I definitely think there's there's a there's a huge need and want for for this sort of stuff too, right? Like people are, I think honestly, people are tired of the BS, right? Like just was watching the new Thor and stuff like that too, right? And you're like, man, all of this just sucks. Like everything you guys are putting out is just absolute trash right now, and people are just dying for for another uh, an alternative. And I think that there's yeah, there's there's definitely an option there. I watched the new Thor to scout it out if it was like marvelous demystifiers. Uh, worthy and i don't honestly don't know that it is (laughs) it was entertaining uh in some ways but there was a lot of really off color things around children in that movie that were just super bizarre and felt out of place like there's this point where the heroes were going off in their goat boat to rescue all the kidnapped children and uh thor's like 
We're going to come back with all the children and then we'll have a feast, but not on the children. Those were dark times. We don't do that anymore. I'm like, why even that joke? This doesn't even fit. It's just like, are you, is this just sort of like a elbow at the people who know about the whole Quadrino ohm? It seemed more like an elbow at heathens to me. Um, oh yeah. And a guy gets tired. Oh, I don't even, wow. I don't even watch these things. Uh, cause Hollywood has painted out such a horrible picture. I, I don't even watch it. Um, there's so many things that I don't even, hi, Emily Moyer. Uh, how you doing? I, I, uh, I don't even watch the regular TV stuff because, you know, it's, I don't find it entertaining, uh, just because I know that information, but it, it just becomes irritating where they always have to try and portray heathens as these drunken barbarian sacrificing. And, uh, the only books like Rachel and I are currently reading through, uh, you know, at least once a month we go through and we're just reading the old books. And that includes the different rituals that you have to do uh, and that they did and things like that. And there is none that include killing somebody where you need to kill somebody. There's no part where Odin's like, you know, it really makes me happy when you take my big, strong people and you go ahead and ax them. Just for no apparent reason. I don't need those guys in my armies. I don't need them helping out, doing good things. I need you to just go ahead and kill them. But in the Jewish Bible and in the, the pre-Christian Bible, there is vast stories about how exactly you sacrifice things, how many things you have to kill, in what way. I mean, this is some of the most bloodthirsty stuff you ever saw. But they always have to try and... It was the heathens. Heathens, you remember back when heathens ate kids. Like, really? Because you found a bone pit? Maybe they didn't, you know, like, the they every time archaeologists find a bone pit, they're like, oh, this was obviously a sacrifice pit. Or the heathen people got together once a week, and this is recorded for what we was called a bloat. And these were people without refrigeration. So let's say the one person brings his cow or goat and then they slaughter it split a put split the meat everybody takes some everybody takes some of you this guy's wheat some of this guy's whatever and goes home and eats for the week and then you don't just willy-nilly throw the bones and the leftovers all over the place you put it in a garbage pit oh that could be a garbage pit not a sacrifice pit i mean come on let's but they always have to have a garbage pit is not that great of a story it doesn't you know hit hollywood but it just makes more sense. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think our modern, many people's modern day sensitivities misconstrue the actual context of the times is the fact that there are times in history where birth defects were a very major problem, you know, and children born with birth defects, you know, it, uh, it required a superstition or a some sort of observance of the sanctity of that life. And then we find that or the record of that, and we project our modern-day sen- uh, sensitivities onto whatever the cultural norm of that time and place was. Uh, but, you know, one of the really weird things of, like, the, uh, the Goetia, the, uh, you know, Solomon's Goetia, it actually has like these really elaborate descriptions of potential birth defects 
in how they could be read, much like reading of the auguries to divine future outcomes. Like if a baby is born with a malformed left ear, it means that you should wait an extra week before harvesting the crops. But if it's born with a deformed uh, right ear, that it means good fortune for the king. Or, you know, and it has these very specific prescriptions for when a baby is born with this weird thing, it's a sign of things to come. And it gives you the impression that babies were being born with all kinds of weird shit in, uh, very commonly in the time that that was written. And so we project the consistency of uh, birth patterns uh, inappropriately, I think, onto what was actually happening in the culture in those days in those locations. So there's so many factors. People just, uh, they don't see that that nuance. Uh, so I just thought I'd throw that in the mix too. Because, yeah, finding a bone pit or whatever, you know, maybe those people had uh, gone through something, uh, you know, that caused many birth defects to uh, befall that community. Just a thought. Well, and when they did kill babies that had birth defects, that's not because they were like, Oh, this fucked up baby, which is what we put onto it. They believed fully in reincarnation and that this was a sacred ancestor and that poor sacred ancestor got a bad car this time. Like, oh, dude, you got a lemon. Come back. Come back. Just, we'll get, you know, we'll get you a different one. Like, and that's the way they weren't weren't killing something that was never going to come back. This, this being was going to immediately come back in a better body and have better, a better life because of it. Cause at the end of the day, like some of these, uh, as a farmer, a lot, like if you ever try joining a chicken group, there's people that try so hard to do things like the chicks that can't make it out of the egg. And you can go ahead and help that chick out of the egg and it might live for a couple days, but it won't thrive. All you did was provided a couple of miserable days where it like half lived, like and got picked on by the other chickens and things and then died anyways. But because we have this uh, complete lack of spirituality, um, to us, this plane, this body, this right here, right now, this you only live once, this uh, is all there is to us. So we have to hold on to that for dear life. If you had, we had the more understanding of spirituality that this is just another stop in the, in the game, that it's not even a particularly big one, you wouldn't hold on to it the same way. And you wouldn't do some of these things that you're doing, like trying to keep this poor bird alive. That was definitely not going to live. It never lives. You are doing more cruelty by trying to keep it alive than just letting it never had made it out of the egg. Such a good point. Such a good point. There's so much to consider, like the ramifications of just that thought trickle into so many aspects of life. It's a beautiful thing to consider. I'm over here considering it (laughs) and how that very, I think, uh, instinctual, I don't want to say program, but like that, that is, that is an instinct as Human beings are the stewards of the environment and of each other and of our own families that, you know, sometimes that is the right call. And I feel that it's been mm, that that there's been there's hooks that have been put into those instincts and they've been transferred into um, unreasonable 
<laughs> unreasonable destruction of life, if that makes sense. You know, before you know whether or not it's gonna, like, it could be a perfectly good car and they trash that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I wanted to ask Rob about, you know, where, where are you at in terms of sort of your, your spiritual view on, on the world or the realm? Uh, you mentioned the earth shape. Can we talk about how you got to whatever view you have and like, what is that view? Uh, well, a lot of it has been through listening to a lot of different conversations from everyone on this, this call here and people probably in the chat as well. I've always been uh, an open-minded person and just, I don't really, I don't care for credentials. I don't care for, you know, who's saying the information as long as it's, it's, it's more correct than what I've been previously listening to or whatever. And I, and the idea of just having two thoughts in your head and not, not doing anything with them, you know, just letting both of them ruminate. I just, I don't understand how that's not really a thing anymore, but through doing that, I've learned how to kind of ask myself, is this, does this sound more true to me than, than the other side? And, um, so I guess to go back to that is, uh, I guess being brought up in a sort of more Western society, like I definitely was grown up on like a Christian Catholic kind of uh, background and did the normal sort of stuff where you rebelled against that in your youth and everything. And you thought people who believed in that stuff were the biggest idiots in the world. And then listening to people like Owen, like Crow, like Marty, like, like uh, even, even Bulletin too. Like it's, it's just, and Dylan was like one of the biggest influences in, in really sort of understanding this stuff of um, everything is not as it seems. And there's a huge, I never understood even listening to people like Owen, when he would go on about the moon, like back in the day, I would just, I would, I would be working like a regular, I've worked at like a, you know, a regular bank here for a little bit after my like acting stint. And I'd be listening to it on my way to work. And so that I'd be like, what, why, like, I don't, why do I need to know this? Like, I just don't understand what he's going on about. And then, you know, everything happens in 2020 or even before that. And I start seeing all of the lies kind of go out. Like, That's exactly why. Right. It's just, I didn't really, I couldn't really piece the, the things together. So I guess going through those things in your head is, is definitely important. And there's the idea of like understanding when you're being lied to so that you know what the truth is. That's what I really love about Dylan's work too, is he's, he's just dispelling lies. He's not telling you what, what he either like what he thinks or like what his opinion is on X, Y, and Z. It's more like, here's exactly how they are structuring the lie in front of you. And here's the proof that it is a lie. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but definitely listening to, uh, to everyone in, in this kind of, I guess, community, if you can call it that, um, listening to three hour chats with David Weiss and going, man, I can't really, um, <laughs> Dylan. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I got out of, I was in the, I was acting and in the bank. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a goner, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm making up for my previous sins here, but I, um, just listening to, to, to people like this and, and just doing the work and really thinking about these things and then seeing how it all connects, seeing that from people like, like Balderson breaking down the same thing and then Marty kind of talking to him and then seeing how they're both kind of talking in similar regards about like just trying to figure out what the hell is this place in this realm and whatnot. And it's been confusing because you, you are in this matrix reality to a certain degree of asking yourself those questions like I did before, but why, why would I care about this? And I think that's what a lot of people ask. And I think a lot of people shut that door as soon as they ask that question, because they don't really see what the, the point is. But I think, you know, if, if 2020 has done anything to a lot of people, it's at least asked the question of like, if you're not willing to walk through that door from what just happened, I don't, I don't really know, know what's going to. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I get the same thing with uh, family members. <laughs> Although my mom did listen to some kind of like generic conspiracy podcast one for a little while, which kind of pissed me off because she doesn't listen to mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still glad that I was still glad that she was uh, able to tell me, you know, I think maybe there is something to that whole moon landing is a hoax conspiracy theory. And to me, that's a really big one because it shows you the more that you let that bounce around in your brain, the more that it shows you, oh, my worldview maybe was completely constructed on fiction in Hollywood. And if, so if you have the wrong idea about the very place that you're in, I know that moon landing is a hoax doesn't jump you all the way to earth is flat or we can't go to space. But to me, it's way more important. And I'll say it time and time again to eliminate what isn't true more than figure out some kind of concrete dogmatic truth. Truth is huge and it's everywhere. <laughs> you can't hold the entirety of the universe in your mind and consciousness at the same time. And thus you can't, put one single explanation on the whole thing. You can describe true. You can describe things truthfully, but I don't think that there's like a overarching big picture that you can just be like, this is it. This, this string of words is the final answer. I win. <laughs> you know, uh, I had an interesting relationship with uh, my bank when I lived in Colorado I would go in periodically and I would like try to slide little uh, truth nuggets across to the tellers every once in a while. Nice. Yeah. Nobody's a master in their own freaking village or in their own home. Yeah. Dylan says I published eight books soon to be nine. My mom has read none of them still encourages me to write though. Can't rely on friends and family. They don't take you seriously. That's so true. My mom is super encouraging. I just want her to get the gravy too, especially right. the health gravy stuff. Come on, parents. At home, you're always going to be little Tommy that shit his pants in the second grade. That, that's <laughs> just the way. Yep. So true. So, uh, Rob, have you ever looked on the the signature line of a personal check with a magnifying glass? I don't think I have, no. Every personal check, it looks like a solid line that you put your name on, but you get the magnifying glass and you got to, I mean, you got to really look in there. It's actually saying authorizing agent, authorizing agent, authorizing agent, authorizing agent over and over and over. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a mind fuck. I, it would be very hard to explain what that actually means. Uh, uh, Very nice. Nice chance you got that all fired up and ready to go already. Yeah, I guess this is so esoteric that they forgot to block it from the Google search engine optimization because <laughs> it came right up on the search. So, yeah, this if you look even without the magnifying glass, you can tell that's not a solid line. Wow. Yeah. Damn, Gabe, tell us more why that matters. It's kind of it's slippery. It's real slippery. Uh but essentially, it is confirmation of the straw man that that you you pres- uh, I'm not ready to to lay out all the gravy on that, but it does. It confirms that 
your agency is more duplicitous than you may have first presumed. And while you thought everything was straightforward and you are who you say you are, that there is this other layer of, of confirmation required. It really, what it means is that you could put a, give a personal check, you could give it to an employee or somebody who's working and they could go and they could sign on it and it authorizes somebody else to use your check is uh, kind of what I understand that to mean. But it also means that we are working in multiple agencies as individuals. Uh, so uh, maybe I can't think of anybody, maybe, you know, Clint Richardson might have some more gravy on that, but there is, there's, it's a nice rabbit hole and it's a good one to drop on bankers, you know, who, uh, who, who may be on the fence regarding the straw man and the actual nature of agency in this realm. Uh, but uh, so I, I slid that I have a magnifying glass in my wallet. It's like a, it's for starting fires. It's for smoking bowls, actually. But uh, <laughs> so I busted it out and I was showing the guy, the teller, and he was like, you know, kind of confused. And I was trying to, you know, tell him that things are not as they seem. And the next time I came into the bank, the next couple times, I had a whole nother teller and he was dialed in. I think I suspect that he knew that I had had that conversation because he would always give me this knowing look and say, uh, can I get your autograph here? And he would use the term autograph and give me a knowing look because uh, autograph is a, is a, uh, that is the real living man's signature is an autograph. Uh, whereas signature is, uh, is the straw man's writing and autograph is the living man's writing. <laughs> Red bill teller. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That guy was, he was slick. He also would always mention the receipts and he could, he would talk of the receipts in the fact that they were proof of debt. Like that I was actually assuming debt by taking the money. Like his wording was really dialed in. Uh, I got a feeling he was like the trainer of the of the uh, of the tellers there. But yeah, that's a. Uh, I still uh, I've always wanted to like have a sit down, like have a couple beers with my bankers, and like see what the fuck they think about shit behind the scenes. You know what what their training experience is like. The the legal the legal language is so sneaky and slippery. Like the difference between signature and autograph <laughs> signature defined as a person's name or mark written by that person or at the person's direction. <laughs> and autograph is a lot more simple definition. The handwriting of any one. One, a unified individual. One. That's a that's a good hint. That's something to look out for. The oneness. My daughter. Uh, my daughter is a manager at Wells Fargo, and my cousin, my first cousin, is uh, is actually uh, used to be in the conspiracy uh, world. He never was a speaker, but he used to listen to all kinds of shows. Uh, actually, he's the one who got me first listening to any of these types of shows. Uh, they never talk about being taught anything like this in any way, shape, or form. Maybe uh, they are high enough up, but my cousin doesn't even work in the bank. He writes rules for the people in the bank. So he's fairly high up. 
Um, and they aren't taught any of this. They're just taught the run-of-the-mill, normal mumble-jumble crap. But Can once again, procedure. yeah, just normal procedure. That's that's what they're taught. And a whole lot of drama. Yeah, Rob, did you ever kind of peek behind the curtain working at a bank, or was it all pretty basic? No, super basic, man. I was just at a uh, a regular branch and everything, and uh, hey, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just yeah, it's just a procedure, right? And I would I would be listening to things, um, you know. Part of the problem with Dave Smith, he's a, another comedian. Um, he had a, he's a libertarian, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if he knows too much about like the the uh, sort of um, uh, what you call it, free man stuff, whatever. But he would just talk so much about the federal reserve and all that kind of stuff. So I started just asking questions around the bank, like the other tellers and stuff. And they had no, idea. they just, you know, the other advisors and whatnot. And I was like, doesn't like, where does, how does this pay back? Like, what, what do we do with this? And they're just like, yeah, well, it's just, it's the bank. That's what we do. Like it's, it's money and that's how it is. And I was like, yeah, but what, like, what's the end? Like, how does how, how does this work towards the end of this when they just keep printing and printing and there's debt and debt and debt, like where does it go? And they're just like, it doesn't, why are you asking that? And they're like, I got to get out of here, man. So, yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of this stuff too, I don't know if this is an interesting point or not, but like, you know, I think a lot of the nefariousness obviously is structural, but I think a lot of it isn't as evil as people think in terms of the actual people carrying it out, you know? And, and I was thinking about this in Canada too, just listening to Tom Barnett and all these people is like this idea of like them messing with food. Although I, I do think they are, but for me, it's kind of like, you know, if I want a banana, in Canada in the winter, like I'm like, what, are, what am I going to do? Right. Like, I think some of these people are like, listen, if you want this food at this time where you're at, like, it's going to be poison. It's going to be like just absolute garbage because you're not supposed to have a banana in Canada in the winter. And I don't know if it's just like, Oh, they're trying to poison your food and stuff. It's just more like, they're like, okay, well we're in the, we're in the business of making money. If you want money, then we have to do it this way because you want this product at this time. And this is the only way we can feasibly do that. And I think a lot of people go that, down that route. I think Dylan had a good point with this, I think on uh, Pat's show about um, uh, Troy and Roman, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people saying, Oh, it's, you know, it's all this encoding stuff. And he had a good point about the idea of like, just, just think about this logically, like, you know, working in these systems, it's not always this like overarching nefarious thing. I do think there's a, an aspect to that, but I think I'm on a granular level. It's more just, sort of, you know, nuts and bolts, uh, mathematical things of like, if you want this, this is how we're going to do it. I don't know how I should give this to you any other way than this, you know? And if you're going to put poison in your body, then don't eat a banana in the winter. Very, very well said. And honestly, the, the more that I learn about the structure of things, the more that I see the gravel is from the bottom up. And then there's just like mega grabblers that climb their way to the top of the tower of gravel. <laughs> so what's up Cheney? you got uh you got anything for us how you doing good to see you hey good to see you guys no i totally agree i think it's not only uh should you not be eating a banana in the winter if banana doesn't grow where you live you should never have a banana you there's no reason your body needs it if it doesn't really grow in the place that you live so all the globalization of our food i think is so bad for us and like certain foods grow in super sunny weather because they're good for your skin and they're good for your body because you live in super sunny weather all the time and bananas are one of those foods too that there used to be like 800 different kinds of bananas now there's two and everything has to be mixed with plantain. And I also think they're one of the things that's in the gifts from Venus, but I could be wrong about that part. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I just think all the food that you should eat, if you're a little bean, then you should only be taking in the food that naturally grows from the soil and the sun and the rain and the climate that you're in on your spot on the planet. And that will make you alchemically come become attached like the honey should be from the place you live like the flowers that you eat the vegetables that you eat everything should be from the place that you live i don't know if that's a real word but it should be it's word i that is i'm gonna write that down in my wizard book when we're done alchemically (laughs) alchemically i love it it's been in the witch book for like a thousand years But we don't have a book. <laughs> we just tell it to our kids in bedtime stories. So it may have come to me wrong. <laughs> yes. so, I, I, uh, uh, ban- bananas are five-sided. I know that's really weird, but they are five-sided of uh, the Crenshaw, the standard Crenshaw banana, which uh, corresponds with Venus and the five-petaled flower that Venus creates. So I, I can see where that would be a, that would be a belief. I fully agree with the sentiment, and I actually talk about this, that if you want milk, which we in this country have a real love of milk and butter and things, that you, the pasteurization, while I 100% agree that that takes all the life out of it, makes it real gross, um, in order for you to be able to have the convenience of buying it in a store and keeping it in your fridge for two weeks or three weeks or however long store milk lasts, it has to be pasteurized. My milk that literally I take from the cow just down there, walk it up the hill, it comes out the other, and I walk it up the hill and put it in the fridge, inside a week that milk's out. Straight out. And probably if most want- people wouldn't be lactose intolerant if they were drinking that milk. Like the milk that is real milk that comes, you're probably not intolerant to milks. You're intolerant to the chemicals and the other shit that's being done to it on the way. And same with gluten intolerance and same with it's like you're not allergic to wheat. You're allergic to look at the back of your bread ingredients and look at how many other things there are besides flour and egg and water. Like a bread shouldn't be made up of all these compounds and chemicals to stay good on the shelf and not mold. 100%. Your bread should mold quick. And, and and A1 milk is the other big one for milk that gets people is the A1 protein. Uh, because the A1 cows, they produce like five to eight gallons of milk a day. My, my cows are A2 cows. And an A2 cow, you're talking one to two gallons. They're a much smaller cow. It's a yard cow. But that uh, A2 protein, people don't have, have uh, lactose intolerance to. But uh, commercially, that's not very viable. Uh, if you if uh, you want to buy a gallon of uh, milk at the store conveniently, and so does everybody else, well, my cow only makes one of those a day uh, rather than five or eight or whatever. So in order to that, – that to me, it's that principality of convenience. There's all kinds of little uh, – when they talk about principalities, it's just an energy. And there's just – all kinds of little side effects that come from that energy that we don't think about, but we suffer the consequences and all of it. Every time we're talking is out of convenience because I conveniently don't want to go down. I don't want to go down and milk a cow or deal with a neighbor that milks a cow. I, I want to go to the store, buy it, go home quick, real easy. 
and and that convenience it, it has a cost. Thank you for this share, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Very on point. Since our last universe was with Matt Powers, there was a whole flood of Austin Powers memes at that point. Was that a was that a Mars logo on his robe? It's you know he's male. Men are from it Mars. Actually, it looks like the symbol for Pluto. That's Pluto, actually, to be technical, to be a real nerd about it. But I dig it. Is it the man logo? I thought it's like the the Austin Powers Mojo logo. <laughs> and Pluto's a little different than that. Maybe there's more than one glyph for it. What's Pluto the symbol is for like, men? Isn't it the arrow? Pluto is like the... Pluto looks like the Venus right. glyph, but with the circle separated and then there's like arms holding it. Arms around it. I think maybe that's a Uranus. Uh, let me look. I, I just took No, a... Pluto, you're right. It looks like the sound wand almost with the yeah. stick in the middle of it. Yeah. So I watched. Oh, the that is a Uranus glyph. Uranus. Oh, that's a Uranus glyph on Austin Powers. Okay. You're, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it's got the, the, the dot monad. in the middle. Yeah. Now that's fascinating because on my new, uh, uh, on the sky chart that I'm working, that I'm matching to the human biology and things, the the root polarity is Uranus and uh, uh, Saturn. And that's, you, you see that war a lot of times, like in the original Greek, Kronos rips uh, Uranus's genitals right off. Um, so that's real fascinating. Is I would have put that again instead of putting them up and down. There's three polarities that go side to side where you need a polarity at your heart, at your uh, uh, will, and at your genitals. And that would have been one of the polarities on the genitals. That's very interesting. So the male symbol. <laughs> if you add a butthole to it, it's Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You nailed it. <laughs> it's so Alistair Crowley. That's it. Good the all-seeing eye. eye. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Things I learned today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we need a new glyph for Uranus. It makes so much sense to me. <laughs> I know exactly where it's at. It's like right here at this dot, Uranus. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that a funny thing of the, like, if space is all like a mocking and everything that they're like, let's call it Uranus. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's phonetically... If we were in a different language, uh, you know, the honest is a particular word. It represents the year. Like Christianus, that would be like the year of our Lord. So maybe it's just more of like a weird modern interpretation that it becomes. That's the thing. Like, why is anus and honest? <laughs> why is the butthole and the year practically the same word phonetically? I have even, never even, thought about that. Yeah, look at the first the first uh, four letters of analema is anal lemma. Uh, no. I've, even, 
I, I want to look up now the etymology of anal, but I'm terrified of that search. <laughs> <laughs> in All in the name of science. In the minds of our listeners right now. <laughs> so I just put a couple links in the vibrant uh, telly uh, to a fellow who I really enjoy. Uh, uh, UBTV. And he has a theory about some Old Testament locations and um, about uh, the Tower of Babel being in uh, Canada, in Quebec, Canada. And I'm going to shoot a couple links uh, and some images from his video. Uh, But it's really compelling because he has this one spot that is visible from satellite, from Sataloon. You can see this one location in Quebec is a ring of water around an island. And the accounts of what the Tower of Babel, the dimensions of the Tower of Babel, it's a three-day walk in a circle to circumlocate, circumlocate the base of the towers three days. And that's the exact uh, size of this dimension of this lake. And the hill in the middle of of that island is called uh, Babel Mount Babel is the name of the mountain in the middle. Uh, so I'm going to send some of that, uh, Robin. If you're interested, you can check it out and uh, let us know how far away. How far away is Quebec from you? Depends on where it is, but it's pretty far, man. It's like uh, six, I think Ottawa is six hours or so. Okay. Yeah, it's a very compelling argument. I know you Canadians are up to no good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially the frogs over there in Quebec. Okay, so I got to just like to put a. To finish this whole anal part of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) To put a plug in this. Stop. (laughs) I was like, I can't say that. Anis in Latin means a ring. So. That I guess makes sense how it became described that medically, <laughs> that word, but interesting. So it's like Ur has a lot of possible etymology to it, but probably the closest maybe would be like aura in the Greek, maybe, which is the season or time or year. So your anus is like saying the ring of the year the ring of the seasons so that's uh that makes a lot of sense now or it could also be in a more it says here the german etymology has to do with um proto-germanic meaning like out of (laughs) out of or original as in like from something out of uranus (laughs) out of uh, honest (laughs) but it's kind of interesting if the er means out of or original, then the er honest, the original ring, that's the one that came before Saturn, right? So it's like the ring before Saturn, who's the, the ring master. I don't know. Nice. Just you some know, thoughts about it. I, I was thinking about it. Doesn't your butthole develop before your brain? Yeah. Whoa. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm 99% sure there's that like your a specific is- term for that. If you're a being that your asshole develops first and humans are definitely that. 
Wow. Wow. Well, you want to make sure there's an out hole before there's an in hole. I'm kind of disturbed at how that <laughs> rearranges my entire worldview in just one simple little factoid that's going to take me a while to absorb. That is, that's really something else. Uh-huh. Hey! <laughs> Every once in a while it comes back. This is like, this is between my house and Snake Jones's uh, farm. Jenny has pictures of this apparently from when we traveled down this road. But yeah, there's a whole, a whole Uranus fudge factory they've got a putt putt place called putt pirates it's horrible don't go there we're off the rails now so i was thinking today about the word anvil and how these were our use and so anvil can easily convert into annual and and here again, we're taught we have Hephaestus and that sacred holiday of Vulcanalia at the X of the Analima at eight twenty seven. Uh, so yeah, that uh, that's something to maybe uh, put on the data banks for the next time the four horsemen go riding out. Yeah, we will be doing that soon. So <laughs> how can we take this away from the anu of it all? U-A-R, your in Latin is wife. And anus in Latin is old woman. In old Latin? Because I just pulled, I mean, it's Google, but I just pulled it meaning ring for that. But we're just going to have more than one meaning. Oh my gosh. And Latin too. It tra- it's, there's always at least like three or four different translations. Yeah. There's so many things there. I'm just going to leave the low hanging fruit. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> mm-hmm. The low hanging lulls. I don't know, man. I think that's probably safe. <laughs> Let's talk to Rob some more. <laughs> Are you having fun on your first vibrant? <laughs> I was just thinking, like where this started and where we're at now is just so—it's wild how we got here. Yeah, that's kind of typical for us here. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, why don't um, you you want to steer us into a direction for uh, you know going forward towards the? We got a, we got a good chunk of time left. Well, I was curious as to it's something I'm thinking about, and I've been talking in this kind of backgrounds of some people in the community here, um, mentioned it to Dylan, mentioned it to Pat and a couple of the bears. But right. I was, when you said Dylan, this dude popped into our chat. <laughs> no way. Where's the Deja boat? Vu. Where's the boat? <laughs> I thought we were doing Viking or shit. Uh, yeah. If you want, you guys are about as straight as Fusini <laughs> pasta. Better go super chat. Owen. he scared off our our norse he scared off our bald norse he's going to get his axe he's gonna go get his axe i know i was like give me 60 seconds and let's do this (laughs) (laughs) i like looked over oh man that was great dylan thank you for the that was a great call 
Wow. That was the, the shortest call ever, but also. Where'd he go? <laughs> he said we got a super chat, Owen. I think he's going to go challenge the Mandalorian. <laughs> so, Rob, what were you what were you about to ask <laughs> us about or, or bring up? Yeah, uh, well, I was just curious as to like, well, because we were talking a little bit before about the somehow we were on the bananas and then we got onto butthole. So I don't really, I don't know exactly the segue, but I was curious <laughs> um, as to just just the idea of gravel. Hold on, Robert's real touchy about bananas. Hold on. <laughs> You're all touching on my butthole too. I, um, but I, uh, I was curious as to like, we were talking before about how you have the gravel sometimes from, from the ground up as opposed from the top down. And I was just curious as to like what people's opinion is on some of the things I've been talking about in the background, some, some of the bears in the community that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to launch this new thing. And it, it kind of goes into a little bit what I was talking to you chance about when we were off air, uh, the last time we talked on my show, with someone I was helping out George Wiseman with, with his media and, and promotional material, stuff like that. But it kind of lends into when I was having some of these conversations, a real aversion from some people to a certain degree on, I guess, ideas of marketing business and commerce in this kind of realm that we're in, where we know a lot of like nefariousness in, in the kind of, in the world just in general. And I'm wondering like people's just general idea on, I guess, making money marketing in business and stuff like that with this kind of realm that we're in where we're actually providing good value and, you know, base products and all that kind of stuff. And what people's opinion, are, because I feel like some people have this aversion to this idea that like, if I, if I end up doing X, Y, and Z, or if I end up making money, if I end up doing this that, and the other thing, then like I'm, I'm contributing to this debt based fiat currency system and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know if you guys have found a similar kind of aspect in that, but I'm just curious as to what your guys' opinion is uh, as like, this uh, adversion that some people have to, you know, I guess what people's interpretation of what money actually is. And then how do we, instead of just sitting around being like, Oh, well, if I, if I'm successful and I have money in, in this kind of regard, then, uh, you know, it's not, I don't know if I'm making sense here. Does that make any sense to any of you guys? No, I get you. It's like, is it okay to use the best practices and tricks that, you know, basically the grabbler side would use to try to get people, you know, the whole like marketing funnels and email lists and all those different techniques that high level successful people in, in a financial type fields would use, even if they maybe didn't have something that great, but they make it look good. Uh, okay. So the example would be if you go to Rob's support the show link, I was checking this out today and I I'm actually into it. You've got a really great landing page that is um, very similar to what you would see any perf- like highly professional sort of marketing funnel create where you're following all the best practices in terms of making the appeal, you know, pr- posing the question and solving, pr- providing the solution in like a quick visually uh, stimulating, non-confusing way. And like, is this bad to do? <laughs> and I think not like, that's the value of being a podcaster too. People can get to sort of see your personality. I think that this is cool though. Like uh, it made me want to step up my game in terms of how I present my affiliates and and products that support me for people to buy through me, but also I know are good for them and uh, would be completely worth their money. So I think this is good, but I'm sure the others would have stuff to weigh in about this. 
I don't think marketing's bad. I don't think, um, I think a lot of big, huge, evil corporations have spent billions of dollars brainwashing people. And so all we can do is unbrainwash them from where they're at right now. And so there's a huge vacuum from Hollywood and news and fake every single piece of propaganda and bad item we bring into commercials and from the cereal boxes to everything in the middle of your grocery store is bad for you. And so if that is how these people see that's their programming. I don't think it's bad to use their programming to sell them good things. I mean, it's not that much different than making a really high polished professional ass movie that also tells them the truth about some stuff. Well, just because they use it too, doesn't mean we didn't create all of it. Like, I know I know people that design websites left and right and they're great at it. Or like you're saying, I know people that make films all the time and they're amazing at it. Or like Balderson, anything you get off his farm is probably 10 times better than anything you get off some corporate farm somewhere. So why can't we do what's appealing too? It's not all theirs just because they use it. They don't get to keep all the symbols and all the colors and all the they don't get to. Yeah, they only even got the best practices by farming the imaginations and intellect of creative people who felt like they had to slave themselves out to whatever big corporate beast in order to survive. They've never created anything. Exactly. The dark side is scavengers. And (laughs) yeah, I like I like this. I like the way that you lay out your, your support page. I know you weren't directly asking about like the way that you are doing this, but to me, that's sort of the question in the question was like, <laughs> is it okay for me to do this? I think it's great. I would hope that it's like, well, I think people also give some support. Sh- like shit. They like when people are in the spiritual realm where they're helping people in a spiritual way, they, sometimes they get shit like, well, if I ever did that and somebody really needed it, I give it away for free. And it's just like, but this takes me time and it takes me value. And it's the exact same way as like, yeah, I'm sure Balderson would love to send us all tomatoes, but unfortunately fertilizer and time and land and all this stuff takes currency in this world. And so there's this thing that I watch happen over and over again to in guilt spiritual people that they shouldn't be charging for their thing. And the number one reason that I would just say, I don't charge for even my podcast, but energetically it's so wearing on me sometimes. So I can't imagine if I was doing Reiki and attaching to somebody like it's not because it's a financial thing. It's the same reason you can't give kittens away for free because someone will go feed them to their snake and pop the head off another one. Sometimes you have to put a value on something so people respect it. It's just how it is. So I, I see it happen in our community all the time that spiritual people are guilted about charging for what they charge. And if you're painting houses, you're not painting houses for free. And in the same respect, if that old woman down the street needed her house painted, you might do it for free because that's how we work as spiritual beings. But you, sh- there should be a currency flow and spiritual people should not be made to feel guilty for charging. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I fairly recently even upped the donation request for doing tunings for people. And that was so it was because I consistently found myself going above and beyond what I was sort of uh, promising as the the minimum. And that with, with something like energy healing or Reiki or any kind of service that you're performing that does bring value, 
if especially something more subtle like energy work, if somebody feels like they can just come get it for free and they didn't have to, if there was no sacrifice for them, no investment is a better word than sacrifice, then they are not as invested in doing their part to make the changes stick because I can tune somebody and then they, if they just decide to go back to the old uh, patterns of thought and behavior, then everything that we did might as well have, I mean, not that it might as well have not happened, but it's going to be dramatically less impactful going forward for them. So it's the same as valuing your artwork, everything. And it's not just, you have to also understand too, that it's not when you're paying somebody for their art or for their craft or for their service, you're not just paying for that direct instance of them serving you or the one thing that they created. If that artist is like really authentic or that healer is as authentic as they can be in their lifestyle, then that means you're also and their value, their service is a high value. Uh, that means that you're paying for them to live the life that they have to live to provide you that service at that level. So not just the uh, hour and a half or two and a half hours that we might be working together in a tuning, but also for me to, you're supporting me to like do all the things required for me to stay in flow full time. So that at the time when we do meet or I meet somebody else, I'm in flow and I didn't just have to like climb my way back out of some pit, right? Because if I was giving it for free, I'd still have to go make money somewhere else. <laughs> and if it was doing something that I didn't love and feel passionate about or feel connected to as much as I do with tuning, then that's draining on me. And then it's that much harder for me to then attain the flow state required to do a good job and a good service. So everybody out there, what you, <laughs> you have value <laughs> and it's more, it's important to value not just the service you provide, but also your entire life. And that that value should be able to be spread out and translate to your entire lifestyle. That when you're asking for an, a donation for your work of it, whatever it is, price it in a way that it's able to support your entire lifestyle being in flow and as healthy as possible. You are, you are still responsible for doing the things that are right and best for you in that time off. And you should take that uh, investment that people make in your service very seriously in that you know, you don't just throw it away by uh, when you're off the screen or you're off the camera or you're not providing the service that you sort of go, that you go against all the things that you stand for in that service or in that public life. You know, there's a lot of responsibility to that, but uh, you definitely want to value yourself, your craft, your service, your gift. And it, in doing so, it makes it easier for you to value your time outside of the service. And do what's best and right for you full time, if that all makes sense. Yep. And as we get older, the hours we have to offer are less and less and less. So the value for those hours goes up and up and up. It's the nature of life. And the experience that you have to offer goes up. So yep. it's a perfect makes perfect sense. Yep. And sometimes it works out beautifully that I'm creating something that you're in love with and you're doing something that I need and we get to barter and trade that. And it's just like such a perfect exchange of energy and uh, that exists out there too. And sometimes you just give away shit for free to somebody because you know they need it and you know it's going to, it's not even, you're not giving it out because you ever anticipate it coming back. It's just all part of the flow of it. But sometimes 
you pay for things. And we've all agreed upon certain currencies that things get paid on. And, you know, it should be okay. Especially if you're getting high quality good things, whether that's spiritual or material. I 100% agree with what Mario just said, too. And it's the same ones who run around calling everybody shills. These people aren't doing anything at all. And and even when it's not so much on the spiritual end, like uh, like take Crow, you see a lot of complaints that, you know, he charges for his show. Like every time I go on Crow, I spend weeks uh, putting together a two-hour presentation um, that I have to know very well. And it has to be presented really, really nice. And he uh, takes and records that in multiple ways. And Jason cuts it and makes it real nice and edits it like Jared does for me. Um, and a lot of work gets put into that. Plus his, his channel, the money it costs for the server, everything else. And, and, and apparently they think that uh, only the independently wealthy should be putting out uh, information. Because that's what it ha- that's what you have to be in order to uh, put this out and not have to support yourself is independently wealth. Um, that's part of why without Jared before I did that and I was getting tips and things like that and uh, have some subscribers on my channel, um, which that's that covers Jared. Uh, my show was shot on an iPhone and I came in and did things. It's just this was stuff I did anyway, so it was real lucky I had a ton of information. But but uh, the production of it was garbage. There's no two ways about it. It still really is. Um, I don't even have a headphone or a microphone. Everybody else got like nice little setups, and I'm just like, Man. yeah. I mean, I guess when I asked, it was sort of rhetorical, and I, I knew this was kind of the answer. But I was I was curious as to what the sort of temperature was because I, I had noticed that before, and you know, it, it is the idea of like you have to. I understand what money is. I understand what people's aversion to that to a certain degree as it, as it functions in our society right now. However, it doesn't negate the fact that it's just a medium of exchange where if I was to say to Balderson, I'll do some stuff for you. And he'd be like, okay, well, I, you know, I've got like eggs I can ship up to you in Canada. It's like, well, it's not going to work by the time I get here. It's like, okay, maybe if I give you a coupon that you can use anywhere in the world for anything that you want, would you want that? And like, oh yeah, well, that's money. Right. And I just think that there is this kind of idea of when it's these different kind of aspects of value, people, either if you become wealthy from providing a great service and a great value for someone, I feel like it's very, it's very detrimental to like the movement of people, you know, going at this in a realm where they, they think that it can be a, an, a useful, a useful alternative to go down because then the very idea is, well, if you're successful at it, then you're a shill. You know what I mean? It's that, that idea of like, but it doesn't make any sense because, for me personally, just to talk about this a little bit, because I didn't know you were, you were going to bring that up uh, on, on the screen there, Chance. But yeah, like that, that thing that I made just for those one, the, like the offers on my, on my podcast, I reached out to George and I was basically like, hey, I, I have this idea for this thing because I had researched affiliate links once I found them from the show. It was one of the things that was one of the things that opened my eyes once I went in this podcast realm. And I started going down these rabbit holes of how people were making money, you know, selling affiliate links because I was kind of like, wait a minute, you make the machine. You do it, you ship it out, you do the customer service, shipping, receiving, all that kind of stuff. And I just put this link in here and I can get the money for it. Like, yeah, of course I want to do that. So I just was trying to research like how, how I could help him get more machines into people's hands. And I could be, you know, someone who'd be able to sort of do that. And to make a long story short, I reached out to him about like that video that I made because I noticed that people were doing this, were making these video sales letters. And all it is, is just highlighting the best clips from his shows from Crow and stuff like that, synthesizing it so that when I have Chance on, or if I have Baldison on or any of you guys on, 
instead of taking them straight to the page of, you know, here's the thing, you know, give me your money. It's a pre-sale thing of like, Hey, here's all the best hits. Instead of going to listen to two hour thing, here's this really nice kind of looking sales letter sort of thing. And now you want to buy it. And I don't say this in terms of the fact that, you know, Oh, is this a great thing that I made or whatever? I'm just saying that like just that one alone, just putting that, switching that up a little bit that you pulled up their chance. Um, basically increase the sales of that machine from one month to the next month when I just launched it like last month, increase the sales for that machine by 460% on my show, just on my show. Right. And it's kind of like those ideas of like, well, how can that be a bad thing if more people now have the AquaCure, which is an unreal machine. And it's just another kind of way to package it to get it to more people. Do you, do you know what I mean? I just, I find that sometimes it's a bit. Yeah. Like my, I want to show that your video to my mom and dad, who since I met George have been trying to talk to them about the AquaCure, try to get them to watch my conversation with George. They flat out rejected it <laughs> because A, it's too long. And because B, George talked a little bit at the beginning about like inventions for fuel saving. And so they thought automatically he must be a uh, con man because nobody can invent something that makes you save gas in your car. <laughs> That's impossible, apparently. <laughs> so I think. That's amazing. All your motivations are correct. It's sort of Crow says this all the time. Intention is everything. Your intention is that we all get supported. Somebody gets a machine that's really good for them. And you know what? I uh I didn't even know that I had sold a few aqua cures over the last little while and got compensated from George. And to like to me, that's a that's huge. That like supports me for a good chunk of time. And those machines are going to be valuable tools in those people's hands for ever, presumably. Uh, so to me, it's like all the best things are win-win type things. And what you're doing with that, uh, a lot of podcasters don't take the time to do the research you did to learn how to do that type of marketing funnel. I kind of have like just some from my history in normie jobs, some awareness of that type of thing, but I haven't taken the in initiative to do such. I just have like, here's my links, go for it. <laughs> and, you know, I get the support I need when I need it. Universe sort of lines things up like that. But I could be doing more to tell people about Clive and his really helpful products or Aqua Cures or Dylan's book. Like I do not do a good enough job uh, hammering at home. They're like, get the audiobook. Read Spirit World, the whole series, but also especially the one that I narrated. <laughs> and things like this are, are um, you know, you got to put the work in up front, but then you have this landing page forever. And you're, you're just learning from what the best do. And that's how, that's how we all should be. We should learn from who the, how are the best people in this field doing it? And we should learn from that. Uh, there's a, there's a time and a place for like doing it your own way and just sort of getting your feet off the ground. And, but at a certain point, like how long have you gone? I'm asking myself this question, you know, how long have I gone without learning something new, without putting in the time to find out what the best way to do something that I'm doing is or a better way to do it, or at least, at least just some ideas about it. So to me, that's awesome that uh, you took the time and that you'd have had that it was successful for you. We could all learn from that. Especially in this field where like there's people in the chat even mentioning it's hard to do the videos without support. And, you know, it is, it is hard to put in your heart and soul into these type of projects without getting support because it takes time and that time, time is money thing. Unfortunately, it does kind of work that way.
Plus, I got to say, I'm very much like George. Him and I are very, uh, we got a real kindred thing going on. And like if anybody that's ever listened to me, I'd say probably 70% of my shows, I forget to say my name, much less actually that I have a website, that I make some products that people kind of, people rave about. Like I, I had an, I had a presentation I was given on some information and that's, that's kind of where my brain is at. And I don't even remember these things because I'm not geared toward that. And so people like that need to be around because people like me, I'm never going to be geared toward that. I'm, I'm going to be like that the whole time I ever speak. I don't, it's not in my brain and people like that need to be around. So again, this community can grow and flourish and do more things. And look at everyone's phone. Look, whoever you are out there, you pay 10.99 for your Netflix. You pay 7.99 for your Hulu. You pay 2.99 for your Candy Crush. You pay $1.99 for your whatever. You pay a 99 cents for this. You have all these services that all are octopus into you every month, but you can't pay for good information that's behind a paywall of people that do real research and spend time and hours and uh, conversations and go places. You can't spend money for that, then I'm not here to help you. Like you need to like, like if you're really out there paying for Netflix and then guilting people that are spiritually helping you or providing you good information, you're not, you're in the wrong place. And I, there's so many people out there. I hear it all the time. And then I also hear people, well, I give my stuff away for free. You haven't put in your 10,000 hours yet. Your shit isn't as good. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Usually you will give your, if you just learn how to cook a hot dog, you're just giving anyone who wants that hot dog away for free. Here, you want this hot dog? Spend your 10,000 hours becoming a chef and let me know how much of your food you're giving away for free. So it's just like however much time you've spent perfecting your craft, that's how valuable it's worth. And then you should honor people's 10,000 hours by paying for their craft. It's should, it's fine. Or you could just go pay $7.99 for Netflix and Hulu and, you know, your movie and $4.99 to watch Maverick on HD. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the real reason why I kind of brought it up just, just to, to begin with was because this is what I'm transitioning into with the, the background that I've had, like you were talking about earlier, Chance, too, about what I was talking about with Matt Beller is like synthesizing all these different things that skills and stuff like that and, and put them to good use of that value. And I think I've kind of landed on that sort of thing, especially with showing the stuff with George and we're hopefully, you know, being able to make this kind of available for, for everyone. So that um, for all the affiliates and stuff like that, so that we can hopefully like supercharge a lot of this stuff, because from as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, like if someone has a world changing product, which I think we have the solutions, like Logan Sisley says that on uh, said that on Crow's stuff too, like they have the problems, they have the things that are going to ruin the world. They have the things that are doing all these nefarious and whatever. We have all the solutions. But for me, I'm like, well, you know, what are they, what are they using that they're crushing with? And can we not just use that same system for like based ideas and forward that? And I think that, you know, doing these sort of things is, is huge and helping people with these kind of things. Cause George is the kind of guy, he's, he doesn't have a, a team doing this for him. So I just kind of, you know, put my hand up and try to do that for him and it's pretty successful. So that's what I'm sort of transitioning into now where we were talking about, you know, making films and stuff like that. This is kind of where I'm putting a lot of energy and focus into because I want to kind of put a beacon out there to a lot of people in this community. Like, you know, if you need some of the, some of this stuff done, that's what I kind of want to transition into and, and be able to help people out in these ways with sales letters and, and funnels and stuff like that so that people can sort of 
have the win-win-win of, you know, <laughs> people are getting value from your product and you're making money off it and everyone's being able to crush because, you know, I think if you have a business that's ethical and moral, it's it's imperative that you're thriving and you're crushing because if you're not, then no no one can have the value of which you can provide. So what's the point of it? This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. So many of us need to hear this right now that are uh, creators in this content field or aspiring to because it is like you are lighting a beacon. We should be crushing. We should we should be crushing. This is the like this is high level shit. The conversations we have, the the uh, the solutions that we have. It should be reaching way more people and uh, the strategies like any, everything's a tool. Every strategy is also a tool. No tool is inherently good or bad. It, it just depends on the intent and what it's used for. So that's brilliant, man. Uh, I might want to maybe just save myself some time and hire you. <laughs> right. And what you're going to see with it is where we need to start putting our, our distinction of, of, of putting somebody down is where you've got like Owen Benjamin who he takes his money and builds a little Bertaria community where other people can come and do this thing and start expanding out into their own community and has his uh, uh, Bertaria website and app that so people are connecting and trading or are the people that you're giving your energy and, uh, and uh, resources to doing things like uh getting diamond studded glasses and wearing uh, Versace and, and, and things like that. So it's not that the resources were the problem. It's that when you saw that this person went and went very material and egoic with the resources, that person no longer deserves your resources. If the person is doing something like Owen is where they're uh, building a bigger community and helping free the people, they deserve your resources. They need resources to continue to do this. And not just people in the spiritual realm. Probably everybody out there does a job and they probably do it well and they probably deserve a raise and they probably work for a corporation that I just promise you this. Like in all my age, I promise you this. You will ask for a raise and you will get it because nobody asks. You're not getting paid what you deserve because you're not asking for it. And they just are expecting that everyone will just sit quietly always. And that's what everyone always does. The money is there. Ask for it. Say it. I bet you'll get a raise tomorrow. Yeah, one of the guys that I love, like I wear all his shirts and stuff like that, Sean Whalen. I think he's he's an awesome guy. He's a very, you know, a business kind of guy, but he doesn't take any shit too. And he says that thing. And I think it's true. It's like, there's no nobility in being broke. You know, there's no nobility in being able to not make ends meet. Because I, I truly think like, if you could help more people, if you had more resources and more and more of those kind of things to offer, but you can't because you're just scraping by because you have nothing, you can't, you can barely even do it. Then you're by virtue, like not fulfilling more of what you're actually supposed to be here to do, which is helping people and adding your value, you know? And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys are kind of on the same page here because I just, I feel like there was, when I was sort of kind of testing the waters about kind of going at this, I feel like there was some immediate put, not immediate pushback, but just sort of like soft pushback of like that idea of, again, like the spiritual side of things like, oh, these things to be free and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. If, if more people are getting your stuff, they can get more value easier and you can deliver to them in like the most streamlined way possible and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to prosper from that too. It's just like, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like sometimes 
in a lot of these kind of realms and like, you know, this sort of like truth community or whatever sometimes is, is very this race to the bottom of, well, what are we going to do? Just sit in a hole until we're done here. And like, we just kind of wait for this whole thing to happen or could we just crush and leave them all behind to like run off a cliff? Yeah, I think that there is a real problem with uh, some of the the echoes of various dogmatisms from mm, the downsides of like uh, Christian doctrines and things in terms of how they're interpreted or, you know, like this pseudo Gnostic thing that like life should be suffering and the world sucks and uh, therefore I should suck and I should also be suffering. And if I'm authentic, it should look like being poor and broke and having nothing. But uh, the fact is this is an abundant material plane. We could all be crushing if we want. And I do think maybe part of it is that uh, we need to, like Dylan said in the comments here, branch out to different audiences outside of our echo chamber more and find ways to build those bridges. Even if it means like, (laughs) I don't know, uh, being a little less esoteric in certain conversations or like asking to go on podcasts that wouldn't normally expect to see somebody like ourselves on, but that also will infuse new blood into our circles and our, the messages we have to share. And like, you know, we're practically our own little thing that outside, like uh, beyond the larger quote unquote truth community, (laughs) the, uh, the network of shows that I feel that and collaborators that I, I'm continually working with here. It's starting to become its own <laughs> minor content network. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I I can't keep up with everybody's content, but let's uh, let's start moving our way towards the uh, wrap up, guys. Feel free to take your time, but if there's any closing thoughts on any of the things we've talked about so far, except buttholes, feel free to uh, you know take us away. Uh, Baldy, we'll start with you. I just wanted to say, uh, in case you didn't realize it, because you're having questions, you're appreciated, Rob Edward, and uh, we need guys like you in the community more. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, this has been really awesome to get to know you and see your mindset a little more. Uh, we'll have to for sure have you back. And if you, once you're a vibranter, you're always welcome to call in any week. So you know, keep abreast with us here. And we'll for sure be collaborating in the future. I want to know, you know, I want to pick your brain off the air about your idea in terms of like sharing some of this marketing material you've made or uh, me possibly getting a little bit of help, like a little, a little coaching, you know, to get it going on my own. I've got the aptitude to do all the things that you're doing here, but maybe like the, the, uh, we could have a little chat off the air and I could, uh, hire, hire you for some, for some amazing, improvements to my affiliate stuff. Very cool. Chaney, what are you thinking? Um, I think it's all pretty awesome. I think uh, everybody's different and everybody has a different skill set. And the world that we see existing out there, there's no reason we can't fill all the holes and fill them with good people doing good things. And there is enough going around. Competition and scarcity are all fake. It's all by them. So yeah, I think uh, I've just noticed in this community and of my show or more shows, everything just seems like it's getting bigger every time. Like our Fibonacci out of just um, is changing things. I think everybody's is. Gabriel. 
Yeah, I love this. It feels like we are uh, becoming our own breakaway civilization. And that is a glorious thing to be a part of. <laughs> Rob, let everybody know your final thoughts and uh, remind them how they can check out everything you're doing. Yeah, well, I just want to say I really, really appreciate being on here. Like I said from the beginning, I, I look up to a lot of people that you've you've had on here and everyone on the call here as well. So just being able to connect with you guys, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and all the nice words everyone said, I, I just I can't thank you guys enough. And going off of uh, what you're talking about, you know, getting out of echo chambers and what Dylan just said in the comments there too. You know, uh, I think really supporting this group is is huge too. And and yeah, the fact that you know there's so many views and, and not a lot of sales on on certain ends of of the of a lot of different things is just kind of like, we really need to kind of support each other. And, you know, I think like Owen says a lot is support what you like or what you like goes away. And um, we've had some talks off air about, again, expanding the echo chamber a little bit. So I might be changing up the way that I'm doing my content now with trying to make, uh, like I was talking about earlier, a little bit more short form stuff, a little bit more hard hitting things and like smash cuts and stuff like that. It's sort of like what people like to see now that's like a bit more trendy and be able to kind of like, usher them back into kind of our community here. And uh, so that's kind of what I've got going uh, in the pipeline on my end. And then uh, like I kind of just touched on the, at the end here, uh, like chance, if you want to talk off the air for hundred percent, anyone else who thinks they might be interested in any of this kind of stuff, um, you know, I want to help out in any way that I can. So head over to the uh, dig within podcast, uh, Rob Edward on YouTube. Uh, you can find my email and all that kind of stuff. And if anyone's interested or wants to reach out for any, anything like that, just let me know. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys all again for, for bringing me on here. Yeah, man. Great to have you. Definitely welcome back anytime. We'll make sure to uh, keep going where we're going. <laughs> Mario's kind of bummed we're not going to circle back to buttholes, but he'll survive. You know, <laughs> do your best research on that, Mario, and bring it forward for the next uh, horseman <laughs> by Brent. <laughs> oh, man. So it's been a great night, guys. Love you all. Check out Weaving Spiders webs on YouTube for the flow state following this. And yeah, awesome vibrant. Excited for tomorrow's episode to remind you all the, about that. Uh, Going to have an incredible chat lined up to premiere with John Monroe from the Long White Cloud Qigong website, where I learned Qigong from. Super deep guy. Touches on a, a lot of stuff relating to topics that we get into all the time here. The connection between our energy and our physical body. And uh, he even gives us a demo of some mo movements. It's freaking sweet. It's going to be a really good episode. And as usual, check the show notes for links to all my affiliates since we're talking about these things. Support me, support Dylan, support everybody here, Baldy, uh, Rob, Slick Dissident. <laughs> Gabriel, you need to set up a channel for people to like send you money in some way, though, for real, buddy. You need I coaching. love it. I'm down. <laughs> I'm so down. Yeah. Uh, follow all of these people if you're not already. And thanks, everyone in the chat. Much love. Talk to you soon. <laughs>